Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and it's not often you get to talk about Scotland laying the smackdown 4-0 on someone. So you're damn right we're back for this international week. Despite almost every Scottish footballer from the last three decades pulling out of the squad, the Tartan Army marched to a four-goal haul in Albania on Saturday, ahead of their Nations League decider with Israel on Tuesday. Everyone was happy, apart from Amy McDonald. We were excited by Scotland, just like we've been excited about the title race in the Premiership. It's tight at the top. Analyst Blair Newman will be joining us to talk through the tactical trends that explain why. In the SPFL, our growth continue to be awesome. And we've got news of a possible fifth tier on its way to Scottish football. Alongside me in the studio, a man who refuses to withdraw from this podcast, no matter how many times we tell him. He's from the Telegraph. It's JJ Poole. Hello. How you doing, JJ? You were telling me this morning you're quite excited by um, Celtic's new signings. Yes. Do you want to explain what they are? I, I really need you to. Okay. So Celtic <laughs> have signed two professional pro evil players right. to their roster of esports people, right. and they're going to compete to win trophies and glamour and glitz. Physical uh, trophies. Yeah, it's the real thing. I mean, you may be aware of the growing rise in esports mm-hmm. and how that is a massive, massive industry. In fact, Richard Scudamore. Uh, in the past has said that he believes that esports are the biggest challenge to the Premier League but uh, lots of clubs now have these teams who compete online and uh, one of them is called um, Ettore Iannuzzi and his uh, handle is Ettorito I saw him finish second in the World Championship Finals in 2017 I wasn't there as a fan I was there as a journalist to be fair oh, okay. I was covering the Pro Evo World Finals like it was called or PES as it's called it mm-hmm. um, it was so cool I've never felt more tension. You know when you're playing against a pal and it's really tense and you're, you know, you're, yeah, it's just yeah, you yeah, and it's yeah. nil-nil and you yeah. get a last-minute winner and you're jumping about like, wah! <laughs> Imagine that in front of a live audience and you're the best player in the world at this game. He won it last year, so he is the best player in the world. So Celtic wow. have him. Yeah, pretty That's cool. quite a coup then, right? Well, I mean, I don't know how much money they really make. I mean, you get if you win the regional championship, you get about $20,000, I think. And then the lad who I saw win in 2017 in the actual final, it was a guy from Brazil, a young lad, and he, um, he won two hundred grand. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so, so kids, don't, don't give up when your parents say it's a waste of time. I assume then this means it's more exposure for Celtic dipping into another I mean, pond. Per- perhaps. It's a huge growing market. Every single kid seems to play video games now. And uh, like the phrase to be a gamer seems to be a thing. Mm. Whereas like playing playing video games made you seem like a bit of a, maybe a loser back in the past. I don't know. I always loved it. But now it's like a way of life. Like, I'm a gamer, man. But does that does not mean you play Pro Evo now and again? But these yeah. kids actually properly play. We're joined as well by Anthony Joseph from Kicker, formerly of the Mail. What do you think? Well, I think it's good. If, if this is the esports equivalent of Ronaldo or Messi, then that's good for Celtic, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it might, might get a chance of winning a European trophy. Well, Esarito <laughs> said, he, uh, it says, I will wear the hoops with pride, which I think is very good on him. Nice, yes. I, I just want to play them. I, quite I played. Yeah, I, I played one of the guys, right? So I'd not played Pro Evo in ages and ages. And do you play FIFA thing, now? No, no, I played Pro Evo. I, I stopped playing <laughs> FIFA about four years ago. There's, a, I did an article with the guy who's on my on my other job. He was a Scottish guy, so Gary Patterson, who made um, FIFA. He took FIFA when it was good in uh, 
know when Prevo's good 2006 was the best one <laughs> maybe probably before I would say and 2006 was when it kind of peaked and after that it dipped and, and FIFA took over because it was about 07, 08 mm-hmm. and it really peaked up and their Metacritic was highest at about Metacritic not cricket it was highest at about FIFA 10 mm-hmm. and he was the creative director in charge of it he was the one that came because he took all his ideas Prevo made FIFA good and he left in about 2012 and guess what FIFA's gone slowly down in my opinion having played all these games since then Interesting. and I've noticed it and I researched it and that's what came up and uh, and now uh, <laughs> so you're right I think, well, I think it was good but I played one of them one of the guys he finished like oh, I don't know maybe like 8th or something Okay. and I lost 4 or 3 and it was tight okay I, mean, I don't think he was trying but... what, do you, what do you play Anthony are you a FIFA man uh, I did when I, I haven't played FIFA since FIFA 14 but I used to be a pro Evo man back when like it was Adriano had like 99 for shots <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Pezzo 6 man then, that I went, was the best. then I went back to FIFA that was FIFA 97 for me you could play indoor football back then Five-a-side indoor football by then. It was awesome. It was awesome. We should move on and talk about the Scotland game of the weekend. Real football. Oh, my God. It was awesome. And you were there, Anthony? Yeah, I was. And it, it was great. It just as a trip, it was, it was amazing. It was quite a fascinating country, Albania. Because um, it was under a communist regime until 1991, so no one was allowed in or out of the country. I think they dubbed it Europe's North Korea at the time. Um, <laughs> I can confirm he's not, he's not reading this off a of paper. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He remembers this. I, 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 went, I went on the walking tour on the Friday morning before the pubs were open. Uh. That's, <laughs> <laughs> and, That's how the party <laughs> yes. And then uh, no one was allowed cars or, or anything like that. So for some, for some of them, it was still quite a novelty to see foreigners in the country. And there was 3,000 of Scotland fans there and we were all in our kilts so they were quite excited to see us they were, they were all wanting their pictures they were all very hospitable and welcoming and things like that nice. but I don't think Albania has ever had a travelling the football team has ever had a travelling support like wow. that before and obviously most of the Scotland fans were staying in Tirana and the game was in Škoda so we got this massive there was about 30 buses leaving Tirana from the main square mm. we got a police escort all the way through the mountains of Albania northwest of the country for two and a half hours to Škoda and all that locals were waving at us <laughs> and, as if we were royalty That's it. Wow. it was it was great but yeah it was a, it was a good trip and I, I always love um hearing everyone's roots yeah, yeah because yeah, yeah. um Albania was quite a hard country to get to for quite a lot of people and I, I was okay with going via Rome but a lot of our Tartan Army Club is the Port Leffen Tartan Army and a lot of us were all on different flights and one of our guys, Graham Rennie, he had eight flights there and back. Just to go and, and just, see that game? Yeah, wow. just to go for that game. And the commitment of, of everyone was... And Matt Ritchie couldn't even yeah. be arsed going. Exactly. <laughs> Shame on Matt Ritchie. We should talk about Scotland. We should. And how we absolutely smashed Albania. And it was what we needed. In context, I mean, I don't want to be... The, like, this is a great result, but it was Albania who we should be beating. Mm-hmm. And they had ten men. Yeah, but not when Ryan Fraser scored his first goal for Scotland. That's true. It was a very good goal. Because McLeese changed his shape here, naturally, because so many people dropped out. So it was like a 4-2-3-1, and Ryan Christie was absolutely brilliant as mm-hmm, a 10 mm-hmm. all the way through. He was hitting these amazing passes. But then Ryan Fraser, like we were saying just before we started recording this, we watched to see him play for so long yeah. in that Scotland team. And it's him. It's that um, pressing high up the pitch, that counter press. Mm-hmm. Win the ball if the guy's taking a bit too long and you know, trying to play it from the back. Because Albania are quite tidy with the ball, I mm-hmm. thought. Um, 
went off him and then there's just that little duck inside and speaking of Pro Evo it looked like when you do a finesse shot yeah, R2 yeah, and shoot was. I would say Ryan Fraser is one of those players that we've been desperately needing in these big games because he is one of those creative midfielders I think he's the most creative uh, midfielder for, for big chances in the Premier League this season he has 13 big chances created so clear scoring chances but he's also third in the Premier League for chances created including assists and he has the most assists six James Forrest another guy who got his first goals for Scotland but yeah. he scored two so, and his second one was outstanding he's a weird player right so obviously he's good but he's good at very specific things mm-hmm. I don't think he's all round an all round great player but he's very good at dribbling at pace and running at people and he seems to like doing that because Scotland was slightly set off the players there was room to run into which it suits him perfectly being able to run at defenders yeah, he's, a great, mm-hmm. he's a great out ball because especially yeah. especially when Scotland are playing better teams if you can give the ball to Ryan Fraser can do it as well and, and Forrest they can just run out and they can sometimes win a throw in at the other end of the pitch or a mm-hmm. corner kick or something like that and that could help you get if you get a set piece you can score a goal from mm-hmm. that against mm-hmm. better teams than us well a lot of people would probably herald James Forrest he, he tracks back a lot he's, yeah. he's, he's work rate his effort in defending when, when off the ball and especially when you had Callum Patterson coming in at right back as well mm-hmm. someone who would have been quite important in that side of the pitch would have been Forrest he's been playing as a centre forward as well uh, for, for Cardiff yeah. yeah, and he scored for Cardiff I think he's got two goals in the mm-hmm. two games he's played up front for them well, speaking of centre forwards uh, James Forrest's second goal is an absolute pinger probably the best goal of the entire break that I've seen Yeah, uh, so. if you haven't seen it Fraser runs onto an amazing pass from Ryan Christie chips it with a bit of backspin and it just rolls around the left channel and he plays it in to Fraser Fraser comes on the ball and he passes inside and Forrest takes one touch to chip it over the tackle and then Hoof launches the left foot volley James Forrest now he's getting the hang of scoring international goals this is turning into a terrific night for James Forrest and for Scotland! They were quite happy to let Albania have the ball. Albania had 60% possession, mm-hmm. and that's with 10 men. When Scotland did have the ball, mm-hmm. they were ruthless, and they looked like scoring every time they were going forward. But just that flowing, attacking football, with, with Christie and Armstrong there as well, and we, we were talking about all the players that were out, but that was a decent team out there, especially the midfield. Is, that is, was a uh, decent midfield. But are we, are we, was, it, was it surprising, though? Was it not surprising to a lot of Scotland fans when you take into account the amount of withdrawals from the squad? Nine players withdrew from the squad. One of those who was called up and then dropped out, that was Ryan Jack. But you had Craig Gordon, Charlie Mulgrew, Kevin McDonald, Stephen O'Donnell, Michael Devlin, John McGinn, Kieran Tierney. It, it's, just, it's just a little bit overawing to think that that's your preparation to a football match and and to throw into the hat as well were you kind of surprised that we arrived 17 hours before the match is that a problem well there's some there's ways of thinking about this so it's only like maybe a two and a half hour flight or something yeah. so you can train the day before get all your stuff done and just fly in and you know relax and you're, you're okay a lot a lot of teams do whether you buy into this or not i do if you practice on the pitch you're playing on the day before, it helps you visualise things to try and score. It's why you see a lot of players, reference like Wayne Rooney, for example, used to score heaps of goals against Newcastle. And there's this a theory that because you've visualised it and you've seen it happening, your like muscle memory naturally acclimatises to it so you know you'll score. Mm. So when the chance presents itself, you will score because you have already seen it. A lot of sports psychologists work with this and they say that um, there's a guy called Dan Abrahams, I think is his name. Um, he does it a lot. He's good on Twitter, actually. And talk about how you have to visualise and tell yourself you will do this to get there. The police didn't do that, obviously, for whatever reason. So are you surprised then? 
uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think all this has fallen into McLeish's hands. Like, people were saying he's got the tactics right, but he was forced into playing that young team, and it was the best team. That is like hunger, a bit of exuberance, yeah. like the confidence, and defenders hate playing against that. That team selection naturally occurred to him, and then they went down to 10 men, and uh, then you sit back and let them attack because they have to win. So it's easy to pick them off on the counter. Yeah. Like, it's just felt it's it was, perfectly. It was probably the most comfortable feeling I've had as a Scotland fan at a game. Do you think all those players who pulled out were actually injured? And do you, why, what reason would there be to not go otherwise? There were a few that were with the squad and then got injured. So obviously they've been tested by the Scotland physios. Oh. I don't think we can accuse them of anything. Like Ryan Jack, mm-hmm. Tierney's mm-hmm. another one. Was Devlin yeah. another call-in and then... All these out, players, I suspect, like, really want to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, can't do it. Yeah. And I think John McGinn really wanted to play as well. But um, he had a grade one calf tear which I think he had a bit of pressure from Aston Villa to pull out he was one that was desperate to play for Scotland so the only reason I can think is listen I, th- I think I think Scotland football fans can sometimes you know expect a lot and when when players are seen to be dropping out it's difficult for some fans to believe that they're actually injured but at the end of the day if they were able to play I think the players would have said, I'm really sorry, I want to play, but I'm being advised medically to not play. That's more than enough for me, yeah, if I'm if, honest. If, I mean, if it's bad for my health even watching it, it, Scotland but, half the time. So. <laughs> but yeah. but it, it just, it, it obviously doesn't make for good reading when there's nine of them. All right, no, of course not. And I'm sure there are some players who just pick and choose which games they will want to play for Scotland. Well, how about players who don't get in the team? Because Scotland needed a right-back for this game. There's one person I've seen... Um, who has has told us all that there was one right back, one true choice that we should all have got behind and should have been called up because he was the true saviour, and obviously that was Ricky Foster. Of course, goes, you, you goes, know you heard about this, right? Ah, goes by Richard oh, Foster goodness. now. He doesn't Richard play Foster. <laughs> I remember him and Ricky Foster being in the Aberdeen days. He's played yeah. for Rangers. <laughs> Saint Johnston. Yeah, Saint Amy, Johnston's Richard Foster. Yeah, the the husband of Amy McDonald. Richard Foster as well said himself and Xander Clark were overlooked because St Johnston aren't a fashionable club. They've got a reputation for just kicking people. Amy McDonald came out and she said, um, you suggesting a right-back at right-back? Someone with five wins and five clean sheets on the trot at right-back? Stupid idea. Consistently in the top five accurate crossers into the box in the top league? One of the quickest players in the top league? 500-plus appearances? I love that she knows those stats so well. Yeah. She knows more than I do. One of the most consistent <laughs> crossers. That's that's some stat. Listen, you would defend your husband. Yeah, of course you would. Yeah. I like yeah. Scott yeah. McKenna's right. girlfriend's always on about his uh, aerial duel yeah. uh, completion rates, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. See you what? I'll tell you my husband's girlfriend. <laughs> 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 oh, I felt like a Lemmy sketch coming out of here. Well, it could be. A... His path accuracy in the final third is better than at least one-fifth of the Premier League. That kind of stuff, yeah? Yeah. Hey, Richard Foster's <laughs> fine as a right-back. I don't think he's international standard. Nope, maybe I'm agree. wrong. Maybe he'd fit straight in. He wouldn't have been on that starting eleven because Callum Patterson was there. And yeah. Callum Patterson has always played right-back for Scotland. He's never played in any other position for Scotland. And St. Johnson, St. Johnson players do get picked for international duty. Oh, yeah? Sometimes. Sometimes. Like, Who? maybe six years ago. Murray Davidson. Yeah. Yeah. For the big games against yeah. Luxembourg. Yeah. Well, this used to annoy me, right? Back in the day when it seemed like uh, players would only get called up to the Scotland squad if they played for certain big clubs. I remember, for instance, Neil McCann moved from Hearts to Rangers. Then all of a sudden he was in the Scotland squad. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it's, it's a thing because I think going straight into this a lot. If you play for a, a big club, then there's that big club mentality. You're playing bigger games, Champs League, stuff like that. Scott McTominay, for example, you know, he's not played a heap amount this year for Man United, but he's training with Man United, mm-hmm. and he plays in the Premier League, he's played Champions League football, and he's looked fine. So you know he's at a certain level, whereas you've got Richard Foster playing for St. Johnston, who are okay in the Scottish Premiership. It's all about getting the right mix. Yeah, I think Strachan was too stubborn yeah. to play. Even, even Celtic players, it wasn't until the last... Uh, five games of the last campaign where everyone was telling him to play the the five or six Celtic core uh, in that team, but he he was he was like that's that's too many players from the Scottish Premiership. But it's and fine that, though, and it was a bit, yeah. a bit it's fine. And that Scotland won four out of their six games last year. I don't see Richard Foster having done enough. I, I don't see him as being any way hugely more talented than any other selection of right backs. Maybe no. he's got something I, I haven't seen. I don't know. Oh, but if he keeps playing well, then yeah. there's, there's a, there'll be a chance for him. And if there's so more dropouts, you get McDonald in the team. Get her back at Hamden singing the national anthem. Let's... Oh, I recorded that once. Amy <laughs> McDonald can sing, right? There's um. <laughs> That's why she's a singer. She's a singer. <laughs> oh, clearly, she's a talented songwriter. Yeah. She did the national anthem against what? What team is it? Oh God, she oh, sang she's, it. She's done it a few times. I recorded yeah. it, and it's, she forgot the words halfway through. Like yeah, I mean, it's easy uh-huh. to do. It's so funny. She goes, and for some ding, and it was really good. I hope she doesn't tweet about us. <laughs> well, we like him, McDonald, though. It's we fine. Do, uh, yeah, I think she's fantastic. We should move on and, and talk about Tuesday. It's, it's a massive night. You know, victory over Israel on Tuesday night at Hamden. We'll see Scotland win Group C and clinch a playoff spot, meaning they could be two games away from actually genuinely getting to a major tournament after 22 years. But listen, we were favourites last time around as well, up against Israel and Haifa. But we, we can't really take this for granted, can we? Absolutely not. And like we said, after the last international break, there's always an overreaction. We could get too carried away after beating Albania 4-0. Oh, yeah. and, and I the see pressure, the pressure, We could have lost against Albania and still yeah. this game, if yeah. we'd won, we'd, we'd go through. This is the big one. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the players, and they'll they'll feel it. And I hope it's I hope it's a good crowd. Do you think? I think, I think they feel a bit of freedom because they've got that win four 0 and something yeah. you see that because that shape is what seems to make more sense. Four two three one. It just seems to work. The group of players that Scotland yeah. have, and I think now that he's accidentally stumbled upon that with that young group of players. That's the way to go. Well, it's the same squad of players he's got to work with anyway on Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. so he, you would you would think John Fleck he, as well is back. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. John Fleck. Do you think he will start with the same eleven? Yes, I think he's got to. Yeah. Yeah. He, he can't have a result like that and a performance like that and then not play that that same team. I think we'll win the game, but you never know. It's Scotland. Anything could happen. Oh yeah. No. What will happen <laughs> is we're going to draw with a, like a 85th minute own goal yeah, from. At least, uh, at least Amy just... McDonald. <laughs> I said, I said, I said earlier on on the Totally Football Show with James Richardson that it's set up perfectly, isn't it? <laughs> For yeah. glorious failure once again. Well, actually, always, yeah. Uh, the, the, the glorious failure would have been had we lost one 0 against Albania and then we were beating Israel and it had to come down to yellow cards or something and we got oh, yeah. an extra yellow card. That would be the ultimate glorious failure if Scotland oh, yeah. had gone out in yellow cards. Mm, I don't know. It's a good job we're going to win the whole tournament then. <laughs> right? Yeah. If we win on Tuesday, we will then go into the playoffs. Kind of forget about moving into Group B and getting promoted. The old promotion thing. Like, yeah. Forget about that. that's, that's four side. years' time. Yeah, exactly. That's for the next round. So then what happens is the Euro qualifiers will happen, you know, separate kind of um, tournament. And I think that gets drawn next year. 
And if we qualify for the Euros through the normal process, we don't need to do the whole Nations League playoff system. Mm. We're qualified. Yeah. And someone else from the other groups in League C will take that position. Yeah. And it also means that I think we could come up against, if we have to go through the playoffs, we could come up against um, Norway, Bulgaria, or Finland. Yeah, or it's, all, it's all similarly ranked teams. So but that's why it is... Similarly it, ranked teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it should be hmm. our way of going through. It should be an easier way We've of going through. We've got to win! I know. It's so but, annoying. But, it was so awful at football. But in a couple I of, hate watching it. In a couple of weeks, we'll find out who we're going to play in the Euro qualifiers because that draws straight after this League Cup final. Can you imagine? Oh, it's on the 2nd of December. Yeah, yeah no. you're right. Sorry. It's, it's drawn, it's drawn on the 2nd of December, JJ. Oh, so perfect. we'll know soon who we've got. I'll be watching it. But imagine we had like one of these kind of Gareth Bale, you know, the freaks that some of these countries have. We've got Ryan Fraser, mate. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll go with that. Ryan Fraser is the new Gareth Bale. He's the Scottish Gareth Bale. It's going to happen. That's cool. I sense a podcast title. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Three points separate the top five in the Scottish Premiership. Maybe, just maybe, we have a title race on our hands. So why has the season been so tight? Blair Newman, an analyst and expert in Scottish football tactics, joins us now. Blair, you wrote a fantastic article for 2.1 last month, analysing every club's tactical identity. You concluded Kilmarnock had the strongest tactical identity. They're two points off top spot. So how have they done it? Well, I think um, Steve Clark deserves all the praise, really, because since he came in, he's made them probably the most organised team uh, defensively in Scotland. Um Statistically, their, their expected goals is is only behind Celtic and Rangers. Um, and also, I think the, the organisation has seeped into the attacking play. I think their defence gets a lot of recognition, but um, they're also a very organised attacking side and they've got some patterns of play that have worked very well for them under Clark. So I would say that, that the most obvious thing is the organ- just the level of organisation they've got, both with and without the ball. What do you think has changed with them from last season? I mean, there's a couple of signings that I think Greg Stewart's made a bit of a difference as well, especially mm. going forward. Yeah, I think um, they've got more depth, haven't they? Yeah. I think Greg Stewart's a massive signing for them because he, last season, they, they seem to play Chris Boyd and then sometimes they partner him with Eamon Brophy and they're both strikers that like to sort of play on the, the shoulder of the last man, whereas Greg Stewart's someone who wants to come a bit deeper and link attacks and move laterally between the lines and... It just gives them a slightly different sort of edge to their attack. Um, I think also the I think Chris Boak deserves a lot of credit because he's he's been rejuvenated this yeah. season. Mm-hmm. He's been magic, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's weird because they didn't see it coming, but he seems to just be playing perfectly. I think he suits that kind of rigid structure, and that's exactly what he's got. Um, how about Hearts? What have you seen the difference from last year? What Levine was doing very kind of defensive and well, I say defensive, pragmatic. And this season they've played some really nice uh, football, especially in their approach play. I love all the one-touch stuff. I love to know yeah. what you think. I think that I think they've um, the big change for me has been in the final third actually because I think last season uh, they had just Kyle Lafferty and the approach, like you say, it was defend deep, it was very dour, and then they just play long balls and yeah. basically ask Kyle Lafferty to work some magic and. He had a great season, so he was able to do that. But their XG was the lowest in the league um, behind Partick and Ross County, who got relegated. So it was pretty poor. Um, this season, I think Naismith has been the sort of the Naismith they thought they were getting last season. He's been back to his best. Uchi Piazzi, obviously, I'm sure you guys have talked about him a lot before, and yeah, he's yeah. brought power and pace and really good 1v1 ability up front. And Stephen McLean, I think, deserves a lot of credit as well because he's another player who plays incredibly well with his back to goal. I don't think I've ever seen him miss a teammate when he's received the ball to feet. I think he always finds a teammate. So they've got a few different strikers now who they can play into the feet of, whereas last season it was just knock it long and 
we've only got one striker there, so hopefully he can do something. Now they're able to play through the lines, they can go around and cross it in. They've got good players out wide now with Callum Morrison coming through yeah, yeah. the Youth Academy, and, and so it's, it's just a different look up front. We've we've kind of brought up the, the injury problems that they obviously have, but on, yeah. in your own opinion, Blair, like how do you feel Hearts will go in the, over the December period and into January into the winter break? Will they be okay with these injuries? Because he's, he's changed the way he's had to set up a yeah, little bit. Yeah. He's lost those players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still playing four four two, but it's it's um, it's not the same really with with Craig White and 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 uh, McLean up front. McLean works incredibly hard, but. They just like that sharpness. Sick Piazu gives them that 1v1 ability yeah. and they've missed him a lot. Mm-hmm. They've got David Vanacek to come in as well in January. They signed yeah. the, like, this guy from the Czech Republic, so he's, he's already agreed to, to join. I can't say I know anything about him, but his scoring record looks pretty decent, so they'll have another striker then. But until then, they're just going to have to maximise Stephen McLean, whatever he's got in those 36-year-old legs. Yeah, I heard Sasa Papach, the old Rangers uh, player, was bigging him up big time. But um, we'll move on. Uh, Livingston were second on your list in terms of tactical identity. Obviously, teams have really struggled at Almondville. Celtic and Rangers have failed to score there as well. It's not down to the pitch, though, is it? Uh, I think that's a really unfair generalisation yeah. to make, yes. actually. That's yeah. correct. Actually. I hear it all the time. It's just a really reductive thing to say. Exactly. Um, to especially when teams have got the financial advantages they've got over Livingston I think it's pathetic really to put it down to the pitch But and also if you look at their, their, their away form they've only lost two games away from home they play just as well there as they do at Almondvale or the Tony Macaroni so I think they're very organised without the ball they, they almost prefer to not have the ball and, and they try and give the opponent the ball so they can defend against them and it's just it must be an absolute nightmare for teams to play against because they're constantly being asked questions with long balls and constantly having to reset the attack and constantly coming under pressure in midfield. So um, they're, just, they're really difficult to play through. They've got loads of really good guys in the air. Um, they man-mark really aggressively. So, yeah, just really tough to play through. Why do ex-footballers, ex-pros or whatnot, why do they slag off these pitches, these 3G pitches all the time? Because we've discussed it on the show and, you know, as much as we can have a laugh at all the black balls that sometimes you see, you know, by and large, we're quite big fans of it, and I can see the the benefits of it financially. And it's all weather; you can use it all year. Do you see a difference in when you've looked at games in the way that teams approach their their style of play? There, do they change the way they hit the ball from defence to forwards? Do they go through midfield? Because I don't know what the difference really is that you're seeing. Yeah, I'm I'm not an expert on the pitches, and I don't really see a difference myself. To mm, be honest, mm, watch mm. these games; it's 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 up, it's incumbent on the big teams to. Well, the big teams, the, the more fi- the financially superior teams, to go to places like Tony Macaroni and impose their style on the game. And I think um, there's a bit of Bolton Wanderers on the Sam Allardyce about Livingston to me, where they seem to be shaking teams up a little bit by constantly not attacking, constantly defending, and and asking the question. And, and the big teams haven't really been able to to answer it. And I think they have a problem with that. It's up to them to solve that problem. It's not down to Livingston to to change their style or, or spend money on a pitch. It, it's up to the the old firm and the other teams to go there and, and, and showcase their own, their own game. What have you what have you made of um, uh, Stephen Gerrard's Rangers? Because mm. it seems, I, I think you can sort of see what he's going with. and I, It seems very much like it's the Gerrard Houllier style that he played under is what he's replicating rather than what Rodgers is doing with Celtic. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, I, I don't know what Gerrard Houllier's Liverpool were like, but um, I think, I, I certainly wouldn't say it was anything like Brendan Rodgers. Um, it also isn't really much like Jurgen Klopp. I know a lot of people said it was going to be really aggressive yeah. and mm. really, really up in the face pressing and stuff like that. But I haven't really seen too much of that. They're just a lot more organised um, with and without the ball than they were last season. 
the Rangers from last season, I, I seem to remember every weekend it felt like they were getting opened up on the counter-attack. Yeah, yeah. Both full-backs would push on and this be the two centre-backs were like rabbits in the headlights trying to defend counter-attacks all the time. Whereas this season, you know, they, they don't give the ball away as much and when they do, they're a bit more stable. And I think the you know it, it's it's pretty mechanised. You know it's not it's there's no improvisation there really. Everybody seems to know their job. You know the wingers and the centre mids and the fullbacks combine really well and will take positions and they attack really well down the wings. And a lot of people say crossing isn't a very good way of scoring of setting up scoring chances, but Rangers do it quite well. How do we explain the league being so tight right now? Um, we've seen a few sides take some hammerings, but by and large the the games have been tight across the board. They have. Um, I think Celtic and Rangers, I mean, Rangers struggled with Europe. I think like, the European commitments at the start of the season meant they were maybe a little bit tired for some weekend games or, or needing to rest key players or whatever. Celtic obviously took a bit of time to get started themselves. And, and I think Hearts, Kilmarnock, um, you know, Livingston, even St. Johnston, there's a massive improvement in these teams this season, which has meant that the, the gap between the top teams and the second tier teams, if you like, hasn't been, as, hasn't been anywhere near as, as wide. I think you can make the argument there's nine teams now in that league, all the way down maybe to Motherwell that could that could beat anybody else on their day. So mm-hmm. it's um, you know the other teams are getting better and the top teams have been worse. I, I wonder how long it'll carry on though. If and when Rangers and Celtic go out of Europe, you know will they start to pull away? I have a feeling they will. There was plenty of domestic action on show over this weekend, and here to give you the lowdown, it's Neil White. Go on yourself, Neil. Okay, just the three games in the championship on Saturday. Of the top three, only Ayr were in action, and they moved five clear after a 0-0 draw at home to Morton. They gave the chasing pack no little encouragement. The league leaders played out the last 30 minutes with 10 men after Craig Moore's red card for kicking Gregor Buchanan after the two players clashed. Morton then hit the post and had one cleared off the line, but Ayr remain unbeaten at Somerset Park this season. But that's nothing compared to Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. John Robertson's team are on a club record unbeaten streak going back to last season and came up with a new and imaginative way to take their run to 25 games. They were 3-0 down with 19 minutes left at Queen of the South before Jamie McCart, Nathan Austin and finally a Sean Welsh penalty completed the comeback. 10 draws from 14 league games for Inverness, but none so entertaining. Finally in the championship, Falkirk and Partick Thistle, the bottom two, drew 1-1. That stopped a run of four straight defeats for new Partick manager Gary Caldwell, but after his team dominated this one, that will be little comfort. On Tuesday, Dundee United play Alloa, and the next weekend when everyone else is in Scottish Cup mode, Ross County will try to close the gap at the top against Dunfermline. League One, and what else is there to say about our bros? Five different scorers in their 5-1 win at Brecon. They remain 10 points clear. This was game one in an eight-game suspension for manager Dick Campbell. But with his twin brother Ian in the dugout, his players don't seem to have noticed yet. Wraith Rovers lead the chasing pack after a 3-1 win at Stennis Muir, who stay bottom. And the race for the playoffs is heating up. Airdrie, in fifth, came from 2-0 down to win 4-2 against third place East Fife. They're now separated by three points. And also between those two are Forfa, who cruised to a 3-0 win over Dumbarton. League two, in a limited card at the weekend, Clyde benefited from the top two's inactivity with a 3-1 win at Elgin. 
Clyde are third, five behind the leaders Edinburgh City, but this one will be remembered for the red card picked up by Elgin's John Paul McGovern for scudding a throw-in off the back of Barry Grant's head. Annan lost pace with a 2-2 draw against Sterling and Berwick beat Albion Rovers who are stranded seven points adrift at the bottom. And that's all for this week. Well, that was the latest from the Championship League One and League Two. But according to proposals that have been drawn up by the SPFL, we might be asking Neil for the latest from League Three in the future. Callum Law wrote the story for the Evening Express and joins us now. Callum, can you just explain exactly what these proposals are? Well, the proposals for League Three, they've been drawn up by a couple of guys involved, I believe, with the SPFL's competitions working group. And it's sort of quite informal at this stage, just a sort of blueprint of what it could look like. And it's been circulated around a few clubs up up and down the divisions to maybe see kind of people are thinking, oh, we like this or we don't or whatever. And at this stage, the blueprint would be a League 3 with promotion, obviously, to League 2 and relegation to the Highland or Lowland League below it. And it could be a 10 or 12-team division with four Highland League clubs, four Lowland League clubs, and up to four Colt teams as well. So who would the who would the Colts teams be? Is there anything without? Well, honestly, no, nobody really likes to come out and say it. But Sorry. I mean, Celtic and Rangers have been driving the Colt team agenda for a few years now, and we're vocal in getting them into the Iron Brew Cup and trying to get them into League Two for it was either this season or next season. But the new reserve league that we've got for this season, sort of put that to the back burner but they I would imagine they would be two and then after that in terms of two others you'd probably be looking at Aberdeen or Hibs or Hearts in terms of just I suppose finance to do it and who would perhaps see it as an opportunity those are the other three that probably stick out. So what's the proposal for is this the kind of like the German model or Spanish model where they want to develop Scottish football by having those players young players playing at a higher competitive level or is this just a way to get teams like you know Cove to be playing in the actual in, in higher divisions? To be honest, with you, I think it's more the the trying to get the Colts in like the heaven Germany or Spain or whatever it is, rather than sort of Lowland Highland argument. I mean, part of it is that there's the ambitious Highland and Lowland league clubs. It's quite difficult for them to come up in terms of you. You've got to win your league and then win. Mm. Two two-legged playoff ties, but I think the big driver on it is that it's sort of a new way to get can Colt teams into the league setup, which is a, a divisive issue in itself. Really, what about the, the the bigger impact for the Highland and Lower leagues? If you have the you know the best teams from those divisions lifting themselves out of that, what happens to the rest of the teams? I mean, does the Highland League continue at the level that it's at? Well, that's that's the other interesting point. I mean, I can't, in terms of, I cover the Highland League most weeks, so I'm sort of no more about that. I can't really speak for the Lowland League too much, but for the Highland League, certainly, if you lifted four of the best sides out of it, it would be a blow in terms of the standard and, I suppose, perhaps the sort of kudos of the, the league as well, and it's difficult. I would imagine it would continue in some form, but it's sort of difficult to 
see how it would go. Another part of these proposals, the other thing that was mentioned to me was um, people have looked at it and gone, well, if there's four Highland teams move out, we could potentially you know, slot in a, a Ross County Colt team and a Cali Thistle Colt team in, in there to sort of make up the shortfall. But I know that's something the Highland League, if it ever came to that, they would be opposed to that and sure of that because it would sort of... I think if everyone or most people would agree, and it would probably devalue the league if they if they had um, Colt teams in it because it's got a lot of history. It was first played for in 1893, the Highland League, so it's you know it's a pr- a lot of, a proud tr- tradition in there. I remember when I when I was working in Aberdeen, uh, clubs like Cooter and Banks of D Junior clubs were very keen to mm-hmm. be part of the Highland League setup. Do you think this would possibly pave a way for them? Potentially, but. It, at the moment, to be totally honest, the only junior club that's probably in a position to step up Banks of D. I mean, Cooter have sort of fallen down the junior pecking order a little bit, and Banks of D have, at the moment, probably viewed as the, the top side and could potentially pave the way for for them to move up. But after that, I'm not too sure if you'd see many other junior clubs um desperate to, to go up another side of it as well would be whether the Highland League, especially if it was all sort of Aberdeen and North East based junior clubs, whether the Highland League were keen on inviting them all in because if, if they're all sort of Aberdeen and North East based, you end up with sort of more and more clubs competing for the same players I suppose, which can become a problem You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slavin we should probably move on to the Premiership. We've got a full fixture list all on Saturday, guys. Um, I think we start with an early kickoff: Hamilton v Celtic. What do you think? I think the early kickoff is Hamilton v Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that, is that as far as you you go? Well, again, I'm not going to make predictions because that's a mugs game. But um, Celtic are turned on the style now. It's funny because um, whenever you have an international break, it tends to be that the early game is woeful to watch, mm-hmm. and they're maybe tired, but. Hamilton don't have the largest amount of international superstars in their squad. But, but Celtic have got at least five or six yeah, uh, the, the in heroes the of squad, Albania so, and the heroes uh, from Israel. Hopefully of Israel as well. And, uh-huh. Probably yeah. lose the failures from Israel. <laughs> and we can edit in what do, 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 you think, do you think Celtic will continue in the form that they're going in at the moment? Yes. Obviously, they're top of the league on goal difference at the moment, but are they just going to go over Hamilton? I don't know if they're just going to go over Hamilton, but I, I would expect them to win that game. It's they might be thinking ahead of next Thursday's game as well. But uh, who have they got next Thursday? Rosenborg away, so that's a must-win game for them in the it Europa is. League. <laughs> What's behind Celtic doing so well at the moment? A lot of people are saying is that Brown's out of the team and Callum McGregor's playing that sort of sitting role. Oh yeah, we said that here. Yeah, yeah, and the transition is a lot quicker from defence to attack with Christie in as well. They seem to be. Free flowing at the moment. Okay, great players. And the two informed sides are meeting as well. St Johnston against Kilmarnock. Five oh. wins and five clean sheets in a row for the Saints. The greatest manager in the world versus Steve Clark. <laughs> Steve Clark. Switcheroo. When you get two teams that defend like that, it often becomes the one who makes the first mistake. Mm. Uh, both attack in similar ways. I'd say Kilmarnock has the better players and the better forward play at the moment. Mm. It depends whether they go with Boyd up front as a target and they hit crosses from wide. And Jones is playing an international week as well. Mm-hmm. So let's see if he's fit and ready or up to 100% condition as you'd have a football manager. St Johnston have been playing really good football recently. And keeping clean sheets. That's the thing. 
it, I mean, it's got nil-nil written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> After we build it up like that. Next, we've got St Mirren versus Hearts. This is, I think, now we've had the international break. This is going to be a huge run-in for, for Hearts to, mm. to be a real test of whether they, Christoph can, they back, can keep going. Maybe. Yeah, they've got Christoph Bear back, but they've still got like a million well, players out, don't he's they? He's not ready to play yet. Really. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's training, but not ready yeah. to come back. He's got bored of doing his BT Sport punditry, <laughs> and he's back on the pitch. Listen, this is maybe the perfect game for Hearts or the perfect banana skin for them. You know, yeah. this is this is a team who's second bottom. Hearts should really be beating St Mirren with the form that they're on. So, if this is this is a home, I I would say Hearts would absolutely pump them because it's away and St Mirren are really needing points and they'll be defensive and Hearts are just setting up in a little bit more of a like we were saying a bit pragmatic and they're a bit deeper. So it could be that that's a techtin as well. A what? Techt. Historic. Techt. Tight. Techt. Yeah. Wow. Just, <laughs> just a South West Scottish boy here. Living in a podcast world. <laughs> they want no. to get the right result. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, there's too many of you here. Charlie! Schuchters and the thing. Give me some backup. Hibs v Dundee, Edinburgh. You don't get any of the Doric stuff up there. Down there. No, Hibs without... F- Without winning four, actually, which is quite surprising. Well, they can't score the goals. I can't. I can't really call them the entertainers anymore. But I think they're still capable. They still play nice football. Right. Yeah, putting the ball and in the back of the net. against Dundee as well. Although Dundee have managed to score a goal last week. Dundee are in <laughs> dire straits. They are, and it's nowhere near as good as the band. I think Hibs should come away. Well, I don't predict it. I don't predict. I'm just saying that Dundee are awful, and Hibs should. I think Hibs will win, win the game. My mother versus Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Listen, I'm I'm in charge of this. I'll tell you when we move on. Motherwell v Aberdeen. Four route. wins in a row in all competitions for Aberdeen. Yeah. It's the Battle of Route 1 football list, though. Yeah, it's going to be awful to watch. I was at the Aberdeen versus Motherwell game at Petaudry. It was uh, rubbish. Aberdeen are winning games by playing horrible football, which is good because when they start playing good football, they'll be even better. But you see, like, how good Ryan Christie was for Scotland during the week. That was one of Aberdeen's options last season, and they don't have anyone like that. But you still got Gary Mackay Stephen, who yeah. should, should be fresh unless he plays on Tuesday. Well, he could be the man that comes off the bench. I mean, mm. we don't know because we're recording this on a Monday. True. And that happens on a Tuesday. So I can't see it. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. <laughs> specifically. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Oh. Hey! Motherwell does get done by Rangers as well. So they... Motherwell, obviously, without Carl McHugh as well because of his red card. I wonder if Stephen Robinson, I mean, there's some pressure building now, especially because you've got January transfer window coming up. I don't know if they've got any money, but they're not doing very well. I, it's, a, it's a tough one because I, I actually quite like him. I really like when he comes out in the post-match press conferences and oh, he's yeah. just genuinely honest. Yeah. I think everyone everyone kind of believes him. And I think he's doing his best. Did amazing last season. I think he's a good coach. But then you've got... The thing is, that sometimes you're playing that style of, like, give me everything, boys. The only way you really get more out of them is a change because you get that sort of bounce off a new one. Sometimes that makes but, but but And then the, the unfortunate thing of doing well one season is that it's more expectancy the following yeah, season yeah, and that's sure. what they're suffering from a little bit now. They're saved by the fact that St Mirren and Dundee are that bit worse than yeah, they're, they're gone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rangers v Livingston. Come on, JJ. What do you think? Well... Rangers at home as well. Normally they're good at home. Yeah. I think Livy could cause a little bit of a trouble yeah. here. Uh, They've beaten them already this season. They have, but I, I think Rangers will, will win this and win this one quite Well, do you know, it took them that Candace, like absolute pinger goal to in the last game yeah, to, yeah. to break them down. They're a different animal at home, aren't they, this season? Yeah, but I think Livy are really organised and they've got confidence and I think they could legit keep that tight. And if mm-hmm. you don't get Candace hitting what was almost definitely a cross in the top yeah. corner... 
you don't get the breakthrough and you get more frustrated and then Rangers players have a tendency at the moment to lose their heads a wee bit yeah. and then you know you're rushing mm-hmm. and that could be a thing Livingston are obviously there without Dolly Menga who they've used a lot is that focal point up front he got done for a headbutt on Ryan Christie in their last game when you say done you mean he got banned he's not been aye. taken outside the car park that just reminds me going back, the Albanian boy headbutted Ryan Christie that's two headbutts on Ryan Christie Ryan Christie must days. have a sore head if you see <laughs> Ryan Christie on the street don't have <laughs> I don't put Ryan why is everyone headbutting Ryan Christie thanks for listening we'll be back next Monday and we'll see you then You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.